Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Father, we just pray right now that the very front of us opening our Bibles and looking into your word, your scripture, that God, we just pray that your word comes off the page, comes into our mind of understanding, Lord, so that we know without a doubt what it is that you want us to to take away to lean in on to understand just to make it our sword where we pray that your word is clear i pray right now lord that if i misspeak if i say anything incorrect that is not of the gospel then lord i just ask uh, i don't even ask lord i just just speak truth out of me god uh, just correct that and then, Father, we just pray that up to this point, that all the music, all the prayer, everything has been a worship into your feet, and that, Lord, we just ask that you accept us from our lips to, to your ears, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. You guys ready to jump into chapter 2 of Jonah? Uh, all right. Well, that's a jest. <laughs> you, know, you sounded pretty excited, so I guess we'll jump into it then. Uh, well, last week, if you recall, we, uh, we ended the first chapter of Jonah on a very high and then a very low note. It was high because we got to see the stories of the sailors on the boat. And we got to really dive in and see. We got to experience the fear and the hopelessness of the crew as they were trying to battle the great storm that chapter 1 brings. We got to see that they did not want to throw Jonah overboard. Interesting perspective. And Jonah says, I'm the guy causing you pain, but yet they chose not to throw him overboard. And then finally, we got to see the crew come to salvation because of God's grace and his mercy. And we were reminded that God loves people even when we don't. Now as for Jonah... His story wasn't looking too great. Uh, not like the sailors who got the, some open skies and some, some blue uh, sun, or sunlight and blue skies. They were able to go on their way. But Jonah, as the sailors were ending on their high notes, Jonah was ending on a very low and an extremely wet note at the end of chapter 1. Here is what I want all of you to do for just a moment. I want you to humor me, just, just kind of go with me on this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just pretend for a moment, just pretend that you don't know what is about to happen. I don't want you to know the information that's in chapter 2. I want you to forget that part of the story. What I want you to know is that Jonah has fell into a sea, a great sea of water. And if you forget what happens in chapter 2, then you will be in the exact same situation 
that Jonah was in on that day on the boat. Just a man who was thrown overboard into a great sea of water and a great storm. That's a scary place to be in a position where you are thrown, I've never been thrown overboard, uh, just put that context out there, uh, but I would imagine being in a great storm and having someone come over and throw you overboard, even though it's at your command, is still a scary thing. There is, when I looked at this and looked at the chapters and all the research and all, there is absolutely no indication that Jonah had any thought or reason to think that there was going to be a big fish waiting for him under the sea that day. A little mermaid hadn't come out yet, so there wasn't a big show tune about it. So this means that when Jonah told the crew to throw him overboard, to say, get me off the boat, let me stop your pain, let me stop everything, just throw me overboard, this means that he was giving them permission to end his life. That he, Jonah, in this position said, the only way to stop this is I need to be thrown overboard, drown, and die. Jonah was mentally and physically, from all of my reading, from everything that I saw, I mean, I'm assuming here, I want to just say that, I'm assuming that Jonah was prepared to take his own life for the sake of those on the boat. Now, he knew, Jonah knew without a doubt, that he was running from his calling and he was disobeying God. So I wouldn't necessarily say he was a martyr in the accident, but he knew that this was the only solution and that he himself, Jonah said, he was holding hatred in his heart for the men and women of Nineveh. And so for Jonah, in his mind, I think in that moment in the boat, he was finished. This is the end of the story of Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet out of all, you know, I, we did cover that. He is a prophet, a voice of God. So maybe, maybe, he did think that when he was thrown overboard that God was going to do something miraculous. Or maybe he thought ending his life was the easiest way to continue his flee from what God was asking him to do. Even to the point that he will end his life in death just to continue his flee from the Lord. Now, whatever was going through Jonah's mind at that time, being in, throwing over the boat into the water, doesn't even come close to what was actually really about to happen. I don't think Jonah, I would not even have the mind to understand, even to predict what was about to happen in chapter 2. As Jonah was thrown overboard, over the boat, and was starting to sink all the way to the bottom of the great sea there, the most odd and the absolute weirdest thing took place. A giant fish, not a, not, not a giant fish that you and I would brag about to our friends on what we caught on our last fishing trip. You know the fish, I'm talking, the one that gets a little bit bigger every time we tell the story. I've got a few of those. I'm up to about 10 or 12 pounds now on the one last one I just caught. I think it was two maybe when I caught it. But, but, you know, not that fish. This fish, this one in chapter 2, was big enough to swallow a man whole without having to chew or struggle swallowing. 
Jonah's still whole in one piece when we read in chapter 2. This is a big fish. The fish, I'm sure, to Jonah's surprise, absolutely sure, that as he was probably sinking down and seeing a giant fish coming his direction, he was realizing in that moment, how many different ways do I have to die? <laughs> like, just take me now. Like, you know, like how, many do I, how many do I have to go through? And it's then, right then, right then, when the fish swallowed up Jonah, that we get to the meat and to the point of the second chapter of Jonah. The entire second chapter is a poem or a psalm of Jonah to God. Scripture says that he was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights inside this fish. Now, we have nothing in the story that tells us what he did, how he survived, if there was light, or did he just sit in total and complete darkness for the whole time? Jonah didn't know how long he was going to be inside the fish, and I would even probably say at the beginning, didn't understand that the fish had anything to do with God. The only thing that we have of Jonah inside the belly of this fish is a poem. That's all we got which obviously had to be pinned down later, unless he swallowed a pen and paper as well. Did Jonah come up with this poem while in the belly? Or perhaps maybe later, when he was reflecting on his time in there, I don't know. But I'm going to guess that the content, what is written in chapter 2, this poem, this prayer, this thanksgiving, is probably important. Well, let's see what he said. It says here in chapter 2, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said that I have been banished from your sight, yet I look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought life up from the pits. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And that's all we have about his time in the, in the belly of a fish. So many questions. So many things to wonder about. 
Philosophers have been debating for thousands of years about what happened inside the belly of the fish, if it happened at all. But the prophet apparently said none of that mattered. Because what did was this prayer. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. And it's very safe to assume that Jonah would have been educated on the Psalms of David, as every Jewish boy would have been. And we can actually see the writing style of David's Psalms in this prayer. It starts with disobedience and the lack of faith, understanding that he was the one in the wrong. He was the one fleeing. And so you can see the beginning of the prayer that is just really the sinking in the depths of the bottom of the ocean. No hope is found. But then the prayer and the thanksgiving psalm is followed by the mercy of the Lord. And then right then, at the very end, his prayer concludes inside this belly of this great fish that salvation comes from the Lord alone. What an interesting thing to say when you're surrounded by darkness that the tip of your tongue and your lips are saying salvation comes from the Lord alone. And we'll see that in a moment. And I find it absolutely most interesting right here at this point in the story that God saves Jonah from death by using a method that should have killed him. And so what we see in chapter 1 is God's grace is in the storm. And then what we see in chapter 2 is that God's mercy is in the belly of a fish. It was God's mercy that rescued a disobedient, drowning prophet from the storm. It was God's mercy that said Jonah was still worth saving even after all Jonah had done to flee and to be disobedient. It was God's mercy that kept Jonah alive inside the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And it's God's mercy that he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to do the very exact same thing for you and for me. You see, the big fish in chapter 2 isn't just for Jonah. It's not just for Jonah. It's not a kid's story. Jonah is not about a guy who got swallowed by a fish. The fish wasn't just for Jonah. When standing before a great crowd, in fact, a Pharisee once asked Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. We want to see that you are who you say you are. They, want, they were testing Jesus on the spot. Are you the Son of God? And Jesus himself answered, A wicked and adulterous generation ask for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the hearts of the earth. You see, a lot can happen. The world can change in three days. It changed for Jonah, and it changed for you and for me on the third day when the women ran to the tomb, and when they got there, they discovered that it was empty. 
And unlike Jonah, who was powerless and unable to leave the fish at his will, Jesus was not only able to leave the tomb, but defeat the very thing that even the most powerful person on this earth cannot defeat. Death itself. Death itself. The one fear that Jonah had wrapping around him as he was writing his psalm, sinking down to the bottom, he was just thinking that this is the end. But you see, when Jesus was on the cross and he spent his three days, he was thinking, this is the beginning, my friends. That this is the beginning. This right here, what's about to come, the empty tomb is only the beginning. And so perhaps, just perhaps, the second chapter of Jonah is a reminder that each of us in this room have spent time in the belly of a fish. That we've been in there before. We know what that is. We know what that looks like. There are times in our lives where we're being disobedient and that we're being rebellious against the Lord. And so we flee. We run. We try to hide. But that we realize that our rebellion always causes pain and suffering to ourselves and maybe to those around us. And so we try to take the ultimate, just to remove yourself. I don't want to be around anybody. You want to be thrown overboard. But even when we're alone, sinking to the very bottom of the ocean in the darkest pits of our lives, God is already down there waiting, saying, I have you, my child. Now, when we look, it may only see like a fish coming to swallow us. And while we're surrounded by the darkness inside his belly, what we don't see is outside the fish is God holding and commanding and saying, there's a destination I have for you, child. I have not given up on you. And we see Jonah in chapter 2 coming to that realization that we, all of us in this room, have had to realign ourselves to the will of God from time to time. And don't think us officers are exempt from that. We get told where to go all the time. When to leave. When to show up. What time, this and that. Believe me, I could probably say that even us officers have been Jonah from time to time. But even in that, it's just the simple reminder that in chapter 2 that when sometimes when all we see is darkness around us that God is protecting us even when all we see is the fish. So where does Jonah end up here at the end of the second chapter? Where do we finish this, this poem of thanksgiving? <laughs> well, Scripture says that the Lord commanded the fish he commanded the fish, and he took Jonah to Nineveh. And then as the fish got onto the beachfront, he vomited Jonah onto dry land. Hmm. I don't know from time to time that maybe when I am in my rebellious states, when I'm in the belly of the fish, that sometimes the the exit, the, the breakthrough, the, the redemption isn't always pretty. Sometimes we come out with the little battle scars on us, but we come out of the fish on the front line, ready to serve. 
ready to receive, ready to obey. And it says that he vomited Jonah onto the dry land. And then there, chapter 2 is over. Man, that was some Uber ride if I've ever seen one. And so next week, we're going to see what happens when Jonah finally decides to visit the great and mighty city of Jonah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word this morning and the reminder, Lord, that you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. But that, Lord, that when we sin, when we rebel, that when we flee from you, God, Lord, let us seek salvation from the Lord alone. Not from the earth, not from the world, not from the pits of the darkness of the sea, but that we keep our eyes up looking at the cross, at the sun. So, Father, we pray this now as we prepare ourselves for Jonah's arrival to Nineveh next week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.